And we're back. Welcome to Queens of the Tech Age. Um, my name's Kat. Um, joining me tonight, as ever, we have a full panel. We have both Ashvit and Amara with us. And how are we doing, girls? Good. I missed you both last week. Had a busy week, and you and uh, we missed you, but we soldiered on. Hopefully. Hopefully it was a. We made sense without you. We need your cut. Anyway, Amara, how are you doing? It's episode seven. It it feels strange saying that we've been live for over a month now, and it seems like people are engaging with us. So I'm I'm great knowing that people are are, are listening to us and 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 finding what we're talking about useful and engaging. It it makes me so happy. Oh, I'm thrilled. I think we've had some great feedback on this episode, especially, well, sorry, on on an episode, which this episode, and we'll get into that in a second, but just in general, um, like this, this, this was your, ba- this is, I don't think it's too much inside baseball for us to point out that this was Amara's baby and Ashra and I tagging along. Passen- yeah, passengers in her bus of podcasting. I wouldn't say you're um, along. I, I always say it's one of those things, if you don't have good people around you, your ideas will always just be ideas. So being, you know, having people around you who can take something as an idea and, and make it come to life, it, it, it's a value that those people add uh, rather than the idea. Yeah. And if we had to take some benefit from covid then i think you know us getting together us having the time to to make it happen to to learn how to do it because i'd never done this before i mean i've listened to a lot of podcasts um you know we are standing on the shoulders of giants or at least in a very small you know they're big fish in a small pond but yeah it is weird to think oh gosh we're Almost got ten episodes out. I mean, that's insane. And, and what's I'm exciting just a is that nerdy, asthmatic, glasses-wearing girl from weeks. So, um, South of yeah, it. really happy to to talk about, share some of the things that they've experienced, and give some tips along the ways. That is awesome. That's awesome. Ashria has been has been diligently going around and and you know, finding interesting speakers for us to engage with and, and hopefully bring fresh content for you guys on on the podcast as well. So I'm really, really excited to hear more about this. You can engage with us on Twitter. We are Queen's O-T-T-H. Uh, we ha- are also uh, at... No, wait. We are at Queen's O-T-T-H on Twitter and our email address is Queen's of the Tech Age at gmail.com. That is correct. You so, can also find us on Instagram, Queen's O-T-T-H. What are we talking about tonight? So a few weeks ago, we did a episode where we talked about imposter syndrome, <clears throat> and I must admit, when we started talking about it, I didn't think it was going to blow up or be anything special, because I've always suffered from imposter syndrome, and it was nice talking to you two that I, you know, we all clearly suffered from it, so I, you know, assumed that whilst it would probably find an audience, it wouldn't have been quite received the way it was. Uh, Amara, what did you think? 
Honestly, for me, it was it was really interesting because I think when you suffer from imposter syndrome, a lot of it comes from you assuming that you're the only person who feels like that. And obviously, when we spoke about it with you know Ashvi and yourself, I, it was it was comforting to know that I wasn't the only one out there. And a lot of the the feedback has has been very similar that there's so many people who are going through it, and you know wish that they could speak to someone about it, but probably you sometimes feel a bit foolish, you know, trying to explain to someone that you, you don't think you deserve the credit or <laughs> the merit that you're, you're, you're getting or the positions you have in, in life. And so a lot of the feedback we had was people just saying, thank you for just talking about it and for normalizing it and for saying that it's okay to feel like this. It's a natural feeling that so many of us go through. Absolutely, I think to talk about it uh which really had made me happy that we did like i i i never expected to be have you know have people reach out and say hey i glad you talked about this this is what i took away from you, you guys talking and that that was very reaffirming it's interesting you saying that um that Amara had said that people, some men had engaged with her to say that they'd never heard of it. I thought that was quite striking and interesting. Oh yeah, and we'll definitely go um, get into that well, later they... in the episode. I think what we want to, what I want to dig into first though is that issue of why why is talking about it taboo? Why has nobody or I, look, we were clearly not the first people to talk about it, but why is there a taboo of talking about it? I mean, what do you... I think we... Oh, it's, it's a bit like mental health or anything negative. People don't talk about negative things. They like to promote positivity. So, um, in the same vein, you know, you'll see articles about, you know, how you're... You boost your confidence. You, you you're doing you're doing something positive, or you're portraying yourself positively, or you're looking at goals, or um, anything that's enhancing you. But you're never really looking at things that people are struggling with. And, and I guess struggling with imposter syndrome is just like struggling at work, or you know, not quite. It's it's people struggling, but finding ways to get better. People, it's not generally what we talk about. Yeah, I mean, adding on to, to what Ashley is saying, it's, you have to remember a lot of us, especially because we work in the tech scene, and, you know, one of the biggest things we, we were trying to do is is hopefully introduce more representation within that industry. When you're surrounded by your male peers, and you've, you have this sense of feeling inferior or not feeling good enough, I guess it, it stops you from talking about it because you assume that everybody else around you doesn't does or isn't going through that and instead of take, taking it as a reflection of these people are just not speaking about it you assume that actually it's, it's a negative um or it's it's negative of you to feel like that and you should deal with it yourself without talking about it right. which which links which links into what Asher was saying about how it it's very similar to you could say like some you know some mental health issues where you just feel like you can't talk to people about them because if you're feeling like this, you're weak. If you're feeling like this, you're insecure, and thus it's your own issue, and you need to get over it. Well, I, and I think that I'm, I'm going to draw a, a parallel to 
to me growing up, um, you know, it's no secret I am a massive lesbian, uh, which, you know, I'm fine with because, you know, yay boobs. But growing up where there was no representation, Section 28 was quite fully enforced, you are struggling feeling a certain way with and you just assume I guess that either the problem is you they put it they get over it somehow or they put it behind them um, and I think that's kind of the the benefit of talking about it normalizing it is that people can see that it is a thing that other people suffer from that they you're not either alone or that it's a part of the human condition. I mean, I guess we're saying in a way that actually it is part of the human condition, but it's a normal part of the human condition. It's not something to be born silently. You know, we will not go quietly into the night. Um, uh, and um, I think, I think, I don't think it's unique just to women. I think men have, can also feel the same way. Yeah. I think I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, I think you would be hard pressed to have them acknowledge it. Yeah. Just because, quite clearly, that's going to feed into some, into some very, that's going to feed into some, into some <laughs> very toxic masculinity tropes. Like, can you imagine a guy at work admitting that? And I, I think actually, it's interesting that that sort of feeds into something I was thinking about and. It's it's very hard sometimes in a work environment to have a, a safe space to admit that to a colleague. Mm -hmm. I mean, people joke about having work wives and work husbands and those relationships you form with peers because, you know, especially in tech, you know, we work hard and long hours and the people you work with... Uh, and, and quite often are you more spend than a lot friends, of time you know, our friends, our colleagues are... Good but, pals. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think in, you have to... But building up a trust relationship, and, and I think this is where... I think this is where being a woman helps in many ways because it, it's, it's not uncommon for women to feel a much... I think to feel much safer opening up to other women about certain struggles. Whereas if you look at men and look... <clears throat> We're all feminists here. We all look. Well, we all embrace the fact that feminism, feminism is about you know helping men and women. But for the majority, you know, the, the men's is have it better. We at least have the ability, hopefully. I mean, I, I, to talk to others. But th th this is the problem in tech: is when you don't because you're by yourself, and you are surrounded by the men's with their aggressive over the top and I think that's why it's taboo because it's a sign of weakness and to fit into that narrative of the admitting to as as you you said it's a, essentially a mental health issue that that is a thing that is scary especially when you're a, you know when you're younger and you're not established and you don't feel comfortable I guess showing a weakness even though it's not a weakness and hell I would like to make it very clear that if anybody who works for me came up to me with 
a similar tale, I would take the time to talk to them and you know, listen to their you know, concerns and help them. But certainly when I was a junior, that's not how I felt about my superiors and peers. No, that wouldn't be one of the one of the things that you'd go and speak to your. Um, no, absolutely not. It wouldn't be Emma. Emma, what are your thoughts? Wouldn't be Emma. Emma, what are your thoughts? So I guess, having you know revisited the topic, it would be interesting uh, for all of us to revisit those times, or at least share a little. You know, where that demon dog of imposter syndrome has bit us in the ass. I mean, uh, Amara, I'm going to throw it to you as the person who sees power. Like, I'm, I'm crazy with power. So here. Amara, for me, tell us of your imposter syndrome. I think this syndrome. is probably one of the reasons why I, I was really keen for us to, to continue this conversation. It's not something that, that hit me in adulthood or just it hit me in adulthood. I think as a, as a as a teenager as you as I was growing up it was something that was that was just there and some of it was obviously from the, the from from being a British Pakistani you know and and as you're growing up as a teenager you're confused you're not and I, I and I'm sure there's so many people who can relate to this you're not Pakistani enough for when you go and visit your relatives etc in Pakistan and then as a as a growing adult you you then realize you're also never going to be British enough because of the fact that you you have this other other sort of like ethnicity to you and it just becomes this this like minefield that you're trying to sort of navigate as you're growing and as you're going through all of the teenage angst stuff that every teenager goes through so for me I think you know imposter syndrome has been something that's so inherently just within me from from a young age you know not feeling like I'm I'm one or the other and then it sort of fed into just just you know my career as well always feeling like i need to be working harder than everybody else always feeling like i have more to prove and i guess that that does come from the fact that my my parents you know they they came from a foreign land so for them they they always had that notion of we're here so we need to work twice as hard as everybody else and I, and I think a lot of first generation people from from across the world will always have that where their parents have moved, you know, whether it's to, to the UK, whether it's to the States, etc. That you have this added pressure of, well, if you're here, you need to work harder, you need to be better. And I think that in itself then makes you feel like an imposter because you're always just doubting your abilities and, and, and thinking, like, could I be doing more? Should I be doing more? Can I be better? I'm not sure, actually, do you, what, what's your take on, on imposter syndrome and, and how do you, like, when did you realise? Mine's going to be a little, probably a little bit different because I'm probably a little bit more um, out there and, you know, I was definitely school sports captain or I was definitely sort of born leader, always in charge, that kind of thing. But having said that, there was always, you always fight for it. And you always have this, whatever, whatever you're starting a new role or you're starting, um, you're starting a um, new project and you're meeting people you don't know. There's definitely a good six months of your your head down and you're trying to prove yourself. 
Whereas, and and that, and I think that's where that imposter syndrome fits in. Is is perhaps fits in is is perhaps you're you're on a conveyor belt, thinking, well, I need to do this, this, and this, and there's no room for failure. And I think perhaps there's there's other people who don't have that will just go, do you know what? I, I'll do the bare minimum, or uh, or my best is good enough. And I certainly, I certainly see with every job that I've ever taken, you know, the first six months or the first eight months or the first 12 months, you know, I wouldn't even bring my head up for air because I just wouldn't have time for it. And even now, you just, you, you're always, um, you know, you're always thinking, hang on, and we talked about this last time, it's that endless list, isn't it? What else is still on my list to do? Adrian, those are... Both of you so hard right now. Uh, like Amara's point about you're not X enough. You know, whilst I am not a Pakistani heritage, I have so many things about you're not X enough. You're not gay yeah. enough. Trust me. Oh my God, that's a whole. You know, you're not. Because I've dated guys. Like you know, there's a whole, uh, a whole other topic there outside of imposter syndrome. But, you know, Ashfear's point of, you know, you you need to double down and prove yourself. It is that point in every job where you look around and go, well, I'm the only person who looks like me. I can't fail because if I fail, we're all failing. And somehow that's worse than random white dude number seven with the khaki shorts who might be a bit crap. And with the khaki shorts who uh, might be a bit... And I think that's, that's true. And also, because you're a little bit different, you get noticed. You do. And, and look, as we were saying um, on Twitter, I, I was saying on Twitter the other day, that sometimes can... You can work at your advantage. Like, I, I'm not going to lie. When I'm chosen to represent a, something... You know, I'm 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 not blind to the realities of optics of of, of you know marketing and you know companies and performative wokeness. I I get having me on stage is better in some, but equally, just as I think we have to break down everybody's achievements into into buckets of yeah worthiness and luckiness one through path they go oh you're here because of that no no no. there was a lot of hard work there was a lot of luck and some of that you know and some of that luck is privilege and some of that luck is i guess anti-privilege but and i think that's what makes imposter syndrome so difficult to deal with and i, I think i talked about this last time it's you are often as a woman as a person of colour, as a LGBTIQ person, you will always, as a person of colour, as a woman, you are a LGBTIQ person, you will always be in a minority. You will always be, for better or worse, under scrutiny. And I think the inescapable truth, and I wish I could make it better for everyone coming behind me, it's going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to feel the eyes are on you. You're going to feel judged when you open your mouth because 
and you have to fight to be listened to. And I wish I could make that more palatable. And I wish I could make it easier. And all we have is time and adjustments to industries to make it less of that. But the truth is you will be looked at. But, and this is the important thing, because there's always a but, there are people, they will stand up for you. And they will applaud you for doing your... Yes, know that you're not alone. Other people feel this. That's exactly what what this is all about, right? To The more we discuss this and the more we, we say to people, it's okay to be an other, to not fit into this mold and to feel different, whatever that difference is. I think the more hopefully it will encourage the younger generation coming up to... And I'm not saying it will remove the imposter syndrome or remove some of these feelings, but to de- to be able to deal with them in a better way. Because for me, it took me ages to even figure out what it was. Because it was something that was never spoken about before me. It was something that wasn't the norm and, and, and wasn't okay to talk about. But the more we talk about these things, the more we make them a part of our, you know, our society. And, 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 and it's kind of like mental health, you know. It, you can normalize it by giving people the opportunity to feel like they can speak to you about it. And it doesn't need to be a manager. It could be your friend. It could be, you know, like a, a colleague at work. It could be your parents, etc. And that will think, help you find ways of, of dealing with it and coping with it. I mean, and talking of which, I mean, you you had a lot of feedback from people, I mean, especially your male colleagues. Yeah, it was, you know what? It was really interesting. And this in itself was an eye-opener to me. As, because when you go through something, you just assume everybody else is aware of it. Um, and I was talking to a colleague of mine, and he said, and, and his story was really remar- remarkable. He was at um, like a, a tech conference, and he, he was looking at the agenda, and there was this thing called imposter syndrome, which he'd never heard about. And he thought, ooh, this sounds quite interesting. So he went into this hall, sat down, and then as he looked around, he realized he was one of like two guys, I think, in the whole auditorium. And so then he automatically realized, oh, wait, this is this might be something that isn't for me. But then the talk started and he remained and, and he and he said for him that that was an eye opener. He he'd never come across imposter syndrome. He'd never heard of it until obviously by mistake, he went and sat in that conference and he spoke about it with his wife afterwards. And obviously he spoke to me about at length about it when we we're talking about this episode. And he said, you know, as a as a as a as a male colleague, it was an eye-opener to, to realize, like, my female colleagues are going through this. How can I support them? And up until he'd actually heard of it, it was something that he was, quote-unquote, ignorant of, not in a deliberate way. And I think some of that is, is also, you know, the more we talk about it, the more we can hopefully educate those who are not even aware of it. Um, and that was just one example of, of, of two or three other, other colleagues who've come up to me and t- sort of said what is imposter syndrome you know either, either before they've listened to the episode or they've come back afterwards mm. i think it's tempting uh, as the third wave intersectional uh swerf and uh, hating feminist that i am to bash men for not being educated enough but i think if you if you set that posturing aside you have to look at well why why would men want a word or a phrase to 
explain a feeling that they may never have. And I think it behooves us to look at, well, A, why don't they have it? And B, then why do we? And as we said earlier, is it when you look around, you don't see anyone like you, and therefore you do feel judged, whereas I would imagine if you looked around, you'd feel like you do belong there. So I think, is imposter syndrome really about us feeling like we don't belong? Like, do we feel like we're invading a space that is not ours? I know, so, and I, I think I, I've mentioned this to you guys before, and to all of our listeners, you know, I work in the tech space, but I'm, I don't have a software engineering background. So for me, it, it is always, you know, something that I'm, I'm, I'm fully conscious of that. Yes, I'm bringing in expertise and I'm bringing in skill sets which are valuable. But when you're surrounded by um, some very intelligent, knowledgeable people who understand the ins and outs of the tech that we're working with, it can it can sometimes feel intimidating, especially when you're speaking to you know some of um, some of our yeah maybe um, more more senior people uh, and and that in itself can be quite daunting and it's quite nice though because sometimes you you feel comfortable enough to ask the silly questions and actually as you do they themselves um, appreciate the fact that you're asking those because. It, they understand that you're coming from from a place of not having that knowledge and that's why you're trying to understand but i i think it's very easy for people to just assume that everyone has their le- their level of knowledge and if you don't that you just have to go and do your homework in the background so rather than i think the tr- the trouble with that though uh, it's a thing i've experienced is that it feeds into the you will be accepted if you prove yourself to be exceptional uh, trope and it's not not to toot my own horn I'm a really good programmer like I, I uh, feel absolutely yeah talking about it but you know I think I'm 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 really good at what I do but you shouldn't have to be that good to be taken seriously, engaged, or don't have the education that I've had or the experiences I've had, and I've worked with them to bring them up to my level and make them better than they are, and heck, better than I am, because as a manager and leader, that's what you want to do. You want to enable everyone who works for you to reach all of their potential. But I... I, you know, they were given the chance to not be great to start with, and they became great. Whereas I think part of imposter syndrome is feeling like you have to be great out of the gate, and that's a that's a burden to put on someone. It's an unfair burden to put on people. It it is, but unfortunately, you know, n- none of us have chosen that burden. I've not chosen that burden. You haven't. Ashley has not chosen that burden, but it's there. So you know how do we how do we deal with it and so you you find coping mechanisms for me it's i just ask the stupid questions i ask the silly questions i'd rather ask them than walk away and think i have no idea what someone's talking about 
and and actually nine times out of ten you find not only are people willing to actually sit down and explain things to you but they're glad that someone's actually saying to them hey you're forgetting that i'm just starting off whereas you've been in this industry for 20 30 years don't get me wrong there's always there is always going to be some a-hole who who expects you to just hit the ground running and, and be amazing but nine times out of ten when you actually start asking those questions people appreciate the fact that you're a newbie and, and they want to help you but and there's nothing that anyone can do to take away me feeling like an imposter that's just something i have to deal with that's i think the coping mechanisms there are remember celebrate your successes list down your successes in the week um understand understand that you're not the only one um and you know fake it till you make it kind of thing pretend that you are you're, you're, so and, really and i guess like, that's what we that's do that's what we talked about last week uh, at least last time we talked about this it is about faking it till you make it it's about putting on a mask it's about setting aside your fears and doubts and ego and for the eight nine ten hours a day you are at work not being yourself your 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 work self who is more confident than the person that you really are and is more bullshy than the person that you really are but are you and... really faking it though so i and in your case amara remember that you you you're in a situation where um you're in you know it's a new space it's a new industry for you but um you know you have to remember you have to give yourself permission to learn everyone's a little bit uneasy when they start a project everyone's a little bit unsure no matter what they they may not tell you that but they are there's there's always uncertainty and then I over like time I like the, confidence the, comes I like in and that uncertainty goes away because it is i think sometimes we forget to give ourselves the permission or the right we, because we're so busy trying to to mm. work at, a, at you know at ridiculous speeds etc to to prove ourselves and um but that and i guess yeah it's it's just saying like it's okay for me to take 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 a step back right now and to ask those questions and to celebrate celebrate my wins rather than focusing on everything else that i could have done better which you know i i know i i do really badly i'll focus on all the negatives if someone gives me a compliment i will look at the one thing that i could have done better and and maybe so as a person who's done a lot of therapy uh one of the one of the themes that comes up is people being able to admit that they have the rights you know you you have the right to be happy you have the right to whatever uh and it's very hard to learn that feeling like you have to feel it in your gut your heart your soul that you do have the right to to feel uncomfortable to express how you feel to feel a certain way to be in a certain space and there, there is nothing wrong with walking into a, a situation where you are not comfortable and f and being okay with that and it's really difficult and that's ultimately the heart of what imposter syndrome is because we are breaking boundaries we are for not forcing away but we are at the heart of what imposter syndrome is because we are 
breaking boundaries. We are for, not forcing our way, but we are you know, breaking a glass ceiling and going, no, no, we belong here. And the uncomfortable reality of imposter syndrome is that you will be confronted with the the learned behaviour of, actually, I don't feel like I should belong here, and I feel uncomfortable about that. But it is about saying, no, no, I had the right to be here. Whether I feel uncomfortable doesn't really matter. I have the right to be here. I got here on talent, and I will continue to succeed or fail on my effort. I think this is a really nice chat, ladies. And I feel like we could obviously go on and on and on. Um, but uh, as per usual, just just remember, focus on your strengths as much as it's easier to always focus on your your negatives. It's something I'm always constantly trying to trying to improve on. Um, First of all, there is no shame in admitting to a peer or a mentor that you're dealing with extra burden that might not be visible I mean, you know it's on you to ultimately put it beside but there's no shame in it like we're all, we're all there you know we're on this podcast saying we've been there we get it it's okay you know tweet about it talk to your friends about it talk to us about it talk to anybody about it um but it's okay, and it gets better. You learn how to fake it, do you make it? And that's ultimately why we do this podcast, because we faked it until we made it. So our, our, our tips are... Per- reach out for you're help. You're not alone. Um, reach out for help. Um, focus on your positives. And remember that it's okay to be uncertain. Uncertainty is good. It's fine. Even when it feels uncomfortable to be uncertain. I think um, that's the struggle. It's okay to feel uncomfortable in that uncertainty. It's not going to be easy, but it won't kill you. Mm -hmm. I think we have to call it a night, which I'm, as the self-nominated compare of the evening, I will say thank you, Ashvir. Thank you, Amara, for joining us. In, well, I think it was a very good Always discussion. Pleasure. You can, of you can of course find us on Queen's OTT age on Twitter. You can uh, uh, reach out to us on Gmail at queensofthetechage.com at gmail.com even. Uh, personally, I am Caitlin underscore F underscore Baker on Twitter. If you want to shout at me for <laughs> any particular reasons, uh, please shout at me and not my colleague because I have broad shoulders. And I don't care about your opinion. Ladies, where can people find you? I'm A underscore tough. Perfect. You can share me too. <laughs> and uh, I'm always active on Twitter, so you can find me as Amara underscore B underscore T underscore S. And if you follow our Instagram account, I, um, I'm also on there as Queen's OTT age. Have a great night, everyone. And Goodbye. thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.